Good morning. A reading from Luke 2, 8 through 15. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Catherine. Well, if you've been with us, you may know that we are working through a special Advent series called The Songs of Advent, where we are looking at different passages throughout the scriptures, uh, specifically the Gospel of Luke, songs that were sung, erupting from people's hearts as they heard of the coming Savior, Jesus. And we are rotating through different preachers across our network, our extended family of congregations. And so today, um, it's my joy to introduce to you our guest speaker, who's hardly a guest, uh, a family member indeed, uh, Pastor Glenn Hoberg, who is the lead pastor of Grace uh, Downtown. Um, As I've said, he's a familiar face and a a beloved preacher in our midst, and so doesn't need much introduction, I trust. Uh, But let me simply say, uh, I I love this brother as a friend and have so appreciated um, just, you, you go through life together. And there's a lot that as a, as a preacher that people might experience in terms of their public persona and such, but so grateful for the integrity with which Glenn has always led and conducted himself, the humility, the genuine charity and care and love with which he ministers day in and day out in the trenches. And it's been an honor uh, to go through thick and thin uh, with him. Right, even when life and ministry is hard, and uh, he's the real deal, and I'm grateful uh, then for you to share in that and to experience the grace of his words coming from a heart where he is the real deal. <laughs> so grateful uh, for you, Glenn, to be here, and let's all welcome our brother together as he brings God's word to us. And he just came from Grace Mosaic, too. If you were here last week, you can tell he did better than me getting here on time. So thank you, Glenn, for rushing over. Well, well as Duke may have mentioned, you know, it, uh, our brothers and sisters at Mosaic, um, you know, they're, well, the, the brothers have their vestments on, if you've been there. And so when Duke and I go there, we get dressed in the vestments. And so this time I was consciously... Because, you know, the toughest part is when you leave to get her on time is undressing. And so I was in my mind going button, 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 snap, button, this. And it it was successful. So I I worked on it. Thank you. 
I'm not a, I'm not above little accomplishments. <clears throat> Let me pray. We are your people and you are here. And that's everything we need. So Jesus, as you've been ministering this whole service, we pray by your spirit you would do so now. And trust you to do that. In Christ's name, amen. Well, a couple weeks ago, the uh, music listening world was all a flutter because Spotify had released its you know, year-end wrap-up. Uh, for those of you that are Spotify people, and um, you know it's it's your most listened songs, most listened artists, most li- listened genres. And uh, I, I have to admit that you know I was a little confused by mine uh, because you know I I'd listen to a lot of music and I tend to think I know what I listen to and and basically it was a little bit of jazz uh, which I understood, but then a lot of hymns which I didn't understand uh, because as much as I'd love to tell you, I had listened, they weren't mine. It, it was clearly, I hadn't listened to, you know, it's like, this is not. And then I realized, oh, my wife and I have the same account. And uh, she excels me uh, in her worship and devotion to God. But this thing has become so popular um, I read one little summary I thought was good, that these wrap-up lists, it validates our conception of ourselves as individuals, tells a unique, meaningful story about who each person is, is the soundtrack of their life for that year. And we are looking at uh, part of Scripture's wrap-up list, right? The poems and the songs and the praises that form the self-conception of the people of God. The soundtrack to the story of God that unfolds. Specifically, we're looking at the songs of Advent, the first coming of Jesus Christ. And this week, looking at what is called the Gloria. And it's unique in that it is, it's not a song that comes from uh, the mouth of mortals, but rather it comes from a heavenly host, the angels. And at the center of it is a song of good tidings, good news, or which that word means what? Gospel, right? Gospel. And so I want to look at the setting and the subject. The setting and the subject for this song. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, found yourself searching for um, the story of one of your favorite song lyrics. And the idea meaning, if I can understand something about the setting of the song, then maybe the meaning of the lyric Uh, becomes more special. And uh, it really does matter. We see this, for instance, when you find out uh, that behind the uh, well-known country song, I'm so lonesome I could cry, right? Well-known one. That behind that is really the broken 
in tragic marriage of Hank Williams Jr. and his wife Audrey. Or when you hear the iconic song by Grandmaster and the Furious Five, The Message, and you understand the setting is inner city New York in 1980, it brings meaning to the lyrics. Or you, when you discover that Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA is not a patriotic song, it's actually a lament about America's treatment of Vietnam veterans. The setting of a song matters. And here we're given insight into the setting of the song through the prophet Isaiah, who says, those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness have seen a great light. When uh, the nation and the kingdom Israel broke apart and scattered, they would find themselves walking in darkness and gloom for centuries and centuries. Under Babylon, under Persia, under Greece, under Rome. They would find themselves homeless and hassled, scattered and scorned pillaged and persecuted. At this time, they had been a people for a long time walking in darkness, walking in oppression. And while the Lord had promised deliverance through the songs of his prophet, it had been a long, long, long time since those songs were on the playlist in people's consciousness the uh, former eagle, Don Henley, said that it took him 42 years to write his hit, Heart of the Matter. Well, this song even goes further back. This song of the Lord goes back to the beginnings, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis, where we're told a super conqueror from heaven will crush the head of a serpent, that a deliverer will come, the Messiah, the Christ, and come and deliver his people. And finally, after thousands of years, thousands of years, finally that song gets released. And where is the release party? Is it in L.A.? New York? Nashville? More like Johnson City. It's not Rome, it's not Jerusalem, but it's a hill country town in Judea, Bethlehem. In 2002, small town in Indianapolis and a small bar called Birdie's Bar and Grill uh, got the surprise of a lifetime when Prince showed up late at night with his band and performed on their stage. I mean, for them, it, it, it put them on the map, right? Birdie's Bar and Grill. Well, although Bethlehem is a small town, it had its own historical significance. King David had been born there. And Micah prophesied about it. He said, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old from ancient days. But did you catch the first part of it? You, O Bethlehem, are too little. Too little really to be noticed. 
You're not a likely place for a great song to be released. You're an average town. And it's not just where the release happens, it's who gets invited to the VIP party. Shepherds. Now in scripture we get conflicting accounts sometimes of shepherds, right? Or at least as preachers describe them. Sometimes it's, well, these guys weren't thought to have good characters. They were unclean. But that really has to be balanced with the testimony in Scripture that is primarily positive. Right? I mean, Jacob was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. God refers to himself as a shepherd. And, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ calls himself the good shepherd. Right? And from our context here, these appear to be faithful and good shepherds doing a respectable but average job. And it's into that setting that God reveals glory. A glorious song from heaven. None other than the song that reveals the very Son of God will come to earth. It debuts in an average town to average people doing an average job. And this is where modern Americans and urbanites, and maybe even Washingtonians, I made that up, Washingtonians, this is how it goes, <laughs> urbanites, or people in cities, modern people at least, become confused and kind of dismayed. It doesn't really make sense to us. In fact, it frightens us because really our greatest fear is to be average. It's to be unremarkable. It's to be unnoticed. It's to be that person at a party that causes someone's eyes to drift because they're bored. Right? They're talking to you and you can just see it happen. Their eyes, <laughs> eyes drift away. I mean, social media exists in part so people won't feel like they're average. So they can feel like they're someone that should be paid attention to. And to be considered to be average, to do average work, or just be an average person, especially in Washington, D.C., is almost like a curse. In fact, you'll hear it talked about, especially among uh, those areas where we think people are gifted. I've, I've been watching a um, documentary, song documentary, and I do this uh, often, and I've noticed now a, a trend with these musicians. For some of whom, you know, you know, while they're having to uh, do their day gig while they're trying to make it, right? The way, the way the narrator will say this, they'll say, he wrote songs at night and for two years did a factory job. As if somehow that's injustice, right? As if somehow that's really beneath him. Isn't it a shame? Isn't it terrible? That a gifted, accomplished person would have to be bothered with average life. And in truth, we feel a little bit like that, don't we? I have to remind myself when I'm loading the dishwasher. And this is especially true if you get married. Because you forget, my single brothers and sisters are doing this stuff all the time and no one's patting them on the back. <laughs> right, but I'm sort of like, oh, the day-to-day -day stuff. I really should be above this. 
You know, uh, Norman Rockwell, the great painter of all those nostalgic scenes, right, of family and people around a table. His adult son was being interviewed, and he said, yeah, I remember Thanksgiving. I remember Dad getting up and leaving the table so he could go paint. Right? Gifted people are excused. This is why many of their personal lives are a wreck. The good news of the gospel is it shows up to average people doing average stuff. I'm doubtful that Mary was having a pedicure when the angel showed up. I think she was probably just doing the regular business of her life. Not that pedicures are a bad thing, but you get the point. And of course, at the heart of the gospel is that God and his son, God sent his son for 30 years doing a life that most of us aren't aware of because it wasn't bothered. It, was, it wasn't to be reported. He was a craftsman for a lot of it. And nowhere in the scripture does God apologize for it. He was unnoticed. That's where the glory of God comes. The late theologian Eugene Peter said, God's great love and purposes for us are all worked out in messes in our kitchens and backyards, in storms and sins, blue skies, the daily work and dreams of our common lives. God works with us as we are and not as we should be or think we should be. You see, what the world sees as average, God sees as faithful. The world sings over you when you're great in its eyes. The Lord sings over you when you're faithful in your average day-to-day life. That's where, the, that's where the song comes, right? That's where the glory comes. Where, you, where are you expecting God to reveal himself to you? Right? And sometimes for us, we, it, it, there's a, there, if you're a professing Christian here, there's a spiritualized Christian version of this. Where if I could just get my life up to snuff, if I could pray more and I could obey more and I could do all these things, then God would really reveal himself to me. Well, as far as I can tell, the shepherds were just kind of there. We don't get a report on their devotional lives. But God reveals himself in glory. So the setting of the song matters. But let's look at the subject of the song. Part of the power of music is found in counterpoint, right? In contrast. Maybe you, maybe you have a very fast ascending line, and then you have a slower descending line. We find it in the contrast. And in this song, we're given counterpoint. One is between, as we said, the angels and the shepherds. Someone has said, creation has no more mysterious and exalted beings than angels and no more average than a shepherd. And we should understand that when these angels show up, this isn't like a band, this isn't like a Christmas choir in reindeer sweaters. These are like singing soldiers. It's a heavenly host. It's an army. And they've come to declare that the Son of God, the King, has come. And here we can't help but think that God is having a little Psalm 2 laugh at Rome. 
a little derision, you know, and, and uh, there's a, an inscription that has been found by the, the Roman royal proconsul. And it's concerning the birthday of Augustus, Caesar Augustus, and how they wanted to change the calendar according to his birthday. Have it begin then. And this is part of what the inscription says. Since providence has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, sending him as savior, both for us and for our descendants. And since by his appearance excelled even our anticipations, the birthday of the God, Augustus, was the beginning of the good tidings, the gospel for the world. And here you find the angels going, really? I've heard another song. I heard there's a new kid in town. I hear there's new music. It's of the Messiah Lord. The true king has come. Right? A different melody is playing. Sounds very different from the world. It doesn't sound like what I'm used to hearing. This is a new song. Sing to the Lord a new song. They are. I bet they really rehearsed for that moment. Right? I bet they really got excited singing that song. But what we find here is that the army, they, you know, because they're scared to death. They're scared to death, right? These aren't plump angels. They're scared to death. But what they find is the army isn't coming at them. It's coming for them. It's coming to enlist them to be part of the Lord's army. These shepherds, these aren't the mighty men of David. These aren't the great warriors. But the army comes for them. Comes to enlist them to follow the captain of their salvation. It may be that you don't feel very strong in this world. You know, you watch uh, all the Marvel films and you think, you know, I I'm Captain America before he gets the treatment. You know, that's sort of how I feel. I feel weak just to get through the day. I feel afraid. Maybe I feel even more afraid because the city's, you know, really dealing with crime. I feel afraid of conflict. I feel weak. I don't feel like much of a warrior. I don't feel like I can really assert myself. That's okay. Because the glory shines on average people. The glory comes to dwell in us. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. That fighter has descended in the heart of every believer, every follower of Christ. You've got as much courage as you need to live the life that God has planned you to live. Right? You are fierce. The kingdom of darkness shudders when you begin to pray. It shudders when you do good works. It shudders when you bring the light into this community. We've been called by a great host. It's what they hear, but it's also what they see. The angels want the shepherds to go and see for themselves. They could have just told them. But they say, go and see. And then the shepherds say it as if they came up with the idea. Right. Hey, let's go and see. That's a great idea. You know, we always do that. 
But they go and see, you know, some years back I had a chance to visit Israel and I had a chance to go to Bethlehem. And uh, they took us on to one or two hills that were likely the hills where they believe the shepherds were. And, you know, so you're basically up on this hill and down is the town of Bethlehem. It would have taken them, you know, a few minutes. They would have been out of breath showing up there. And you can imagine they were running, right? And they were running. They were going down this street and that street. Just because you're full of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. Right? They're probably making mistakes. They're going this way and that way. And maybe they run by the door and they, they're breathing heavy. They stop. And what do they see? Madonna with child with a halo over its head. That's not what they see, right? They see weakness. They see vulnerability. They see such hiddenness, you could have missed it. Maybe they missed it the first time. We don't know. Something so small. And here lies really the center of the joy of the good tidings. That the glory comes to people like that. That the glory came to a savior like that. You see, the angels are rejoicing not just because he's the Lord and he's the Christ and he's the exalted one, but because he's a baby. They're rejoicing because he's come like that. Right? Fragility. Weakness, needy. It must have been arresting. One of the great counterpoints we find is how different the saviors of the world look and the saviors of the gospel. Right? The world's saviors look so different than the savior of the scripture, of Jesus Christ. St. Augustine put it this way, Man's maker was made man that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. This is the glory that is being sung. And that's exactly where the song finds you and me. A servant is not greater than his master. It's that very part. You, you know, you and I, we avoid those places, right? We don't like those places. But if we can hang in there, if we can stay a little bit, we might begin to hear good tidings. How are you trying to be delivered is what I'm asking you. How are you trying to find glory? Because favor rests on people that turn to the Savior in this condition. And when we do, we'll not only begin to hear the songs of Advent in a new way, we'll begin to sing them in a new way. The song will be coming from a place of deep darkness into light. And it will be heard in this city 
in this community. Please pray with me. I thank you for this beloved congregation, Jesus. I thank you for uh, the way the glory shines in a weak state, in a needy state, coming in a sinful state to us, finding us there in that place where we feel darkness, where we feel average, where we feel unremarkable. Would you come, Jesus? And would we see you with us? Come and dwell with us where we are, we're asking, Lord. And I pray as you do that, that you would make this congregation a city on a hill. I pray that you, Spirit, would fill this congregation with the light of your glory. We're surrounded to a city that's walking in darkness. People have seen great darkness and doom. Would you shine your light? We trust you to do that. In Christ's name, amen.